Welcome to Bible Theory Podcast, hosted by the Chicano Knox. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Bible Theory is for the streets, homie. This ain't your boy scout, choir boy type of podcast. This is for the Vato Locos who have been saved by the blood of Christ, homie. Coming straight out of Geneva. Donde están mis soldados reformados? Bienvenido a la Teoria de la Biblia podcast con el Chicano Knox. You are now entering into the reform state of mind, homie. Where we study ecclesiology and take it to the streets, homie. Coming from that five solas. Coming from that reformed underground railroad, homie. Coming from that West West 1646, All right, it's that time again. Thank you so much for joining me. Once again, this is your boy, the Chicano Knox, coming live and direct from the scriptorium. And where I got that from, one time when I was doing some studying up on church history, and one of my favorite parts in church history was the um, Celtic uh, movement, the monastery movement of Scotland, Northern Scotland. And um, it was uh, the Iona, the Coldees, they would copy scriptures like crazy in a tiny little cell called the scriptorium. And that's where they will copy manuscripts upon manuscripts. And I was like, dude, scriptorium is tight. I got to steal that. So that's what I call this place. It's not only a spiritual battle place, but this is the, my little room here called the scriptorium. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you know, it's been a journey, you know, this past uh, couple years, uh, three seasons already, uh, talking about the church, talking to theologians, talking to professors, authors, pastors, missionaries, uh, you know, and just reviewing the doctrine of the church from all angles, because the church is relevant today. Jesus said, I will build my church, and that's what he's doing right now. My goal is to introduce the church to you. And if you don't know Jesus and if you don't know the church and it's been a long time um, since you attended church, hopefully, you know, this episode will encourage you to go back, return home, right? Go back to your first love. And that's Jesus. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if you have not hit the uh, bell notification down there, go ahead and hit the subscribe and follow me at Twitter at the Chicano Knox. I got plenty more go coming on, coming down the pipeline. On uh, Bible theory, I got Michael Reeves coming on. I got a couple of people. I might even go to the Puritan Conference in L.A., um, hit up and, um, you know, have a salad with uh, Ferguson or something like that. But anyways, uh, you know, today I have a special guest. I have uh, Professor Christopher, right? Professor Chris used to teach at uh, Bible Moody, right? Movie, uh, Moody <laughs> Institute, right? Up in Chicago. Uh, uh, real quick, why don't you introduce yourself for people to people who don't know you? Uh, give um, give us a little intro of who you are, what you do, and maybe like a couple of fun facts about yourself that people would be like, oh, okay, uh, they'll find something to relate to you. Maybe you, I don't know, play games, you build cards, you collect comic books or something. <laughs> I don't know. what. Well, everybody has a different thing, right? So uh, the floor is yours. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. Um, really appreciate you and um, your commitment to God's word and the church and bringing it just to real people um, like you, like me, people on the streets, because uh, everyone needs to be saved from uh, academia to just down just the worker and the, and the, uh, the bus boy. Uh, but so I'm 
My name's Christopher Yuan. I'm originally from Chicago. I'm now living in San Diego now. I, I taught at Moody, as you said, but that was not actually my, my kind of main gig. I, um, I'm a speaker and writer. That's, that's what I mainly do on biblical sexuality. I've been doing that for about 20 years now. Um, interesting thing about me, um, man, I'm a pretty boring guy. I mean, I don't know if that's, that's interesting, uh, but my, my life before Christ was nothing but ordinary. Um, and, you know, probably get into that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I was in the Marine Corps, I guess, years ago when I was really young. Um, I was a gymnast in, uh, in high school um, and I played piano. So there's, there's a, a lot of variety right there. Oh, nice. Piano. Uh, gymnasts and Marines. That's right. Who raw, man? Who raw, man? <laughs> That's right. That's uh, three That's different right. dynamics, That's right? That's yeah. Very, very, yep. So Chicago, you're from the north side. You're from the south side. Yeah. Uh, you root for the Fox, You know <laughs> what I mean? The Cubs, the Bears, or what? Yeah. No, well, I'm I'm actually from. Uh, yeah. I mean, I say Chicago, but we I live like 40 minutes outside the city. Uh, okay. Yeah, in, right, the, right, in right. the southwest suburbs, uh, in Westmont, Downers Grove, Hinsdale, around that area. So not many people know where that is. Yeah, if 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 anybody out there knows Chicago, I I I've been there a couple of times in the Northwestern campus. It's a secular university, but dude, the the, the campus, the building is just so gorgeous. Oh yeah, I, I'm just hating on them, man. I'm like, man, you guys got gorgeous buildings up in there. Yeah, man, but Chicago has good restaurants. I give you that. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know yeah. about the traffic. Yeah. No, yeah, traffic is is not. Good. But the restaurants, man, you guys good. got a you guys got a great restaurant game, man. Like you, right. San Fran, San Francisco, and Chicago has some great restaurants. That's right, uh, man. <laughs> but real quick, yeah. So, amen, man. Um, so you wrote a book. Yes. <laughs> so you wrote a book, and two it, books. It's, it's two books, right? A few and, books. Yeah. <laughs> you're an author, so. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, why don't you um, talk about the origin story of writing this particular book on the topics, which is God, sexuality, and the gospel. Yeah. Three core tenets of the Christian faith, because Christianity talks about sexuality. Christianity has a doctrine of God, and Christianity has the gospel message. Mm -hmm. So uh, well, uh, tell us a little bit about the back scenes, the, the origin stories, you know, uh, of how and why you wrote this book. Yeah, so uh, my book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Design, Relationship, Shaped by God's Grand Story. Um, it, I wrote this, it came out right before COVID. So it was kind of like a COVID book, a little bit under, under the radar, uh, but it was actually named 2020 Book of the Year for Social Issues by Outreach Magazine. And the, the impetus for me writing that book actually began with my first book, which was my testimony, my memoir that I actually co-authored with my mom. In that book, I introduced this concept of holy sexuality, and I knew that I needed to flesh that out more. That was a really short chapter. All Actually, all the chapters in my memoir, which is 30 chapters, very short kind of chapters, and it goes really, really fast. Um, I introduced this concept. I'm like, I need to fill that out, uh, you know, kind of um, explain that concept more. 
the essentially there's a lot of books out there talking about what is God's no, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. All very important things that we need to go over, but we can't stop there. We can't build a Christian life on God's no. So that's why I wanted to write my book on holy sexuality, which is not just on what is God's no, but what is God's yes. Chastity and singleness, faithful to marriage, which is good news for all. So that's that was kind of the background story, the reason why I wanted to write my the new book, the new book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Amen. Such a relevant message. Uh, you know, I don't know how I, I should look this up, but I don't know how many people wrote books during COVID. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> everybody was locked down, everything was slow. Uh, yeah. You had a lot of alone time, a lot of family time, a lot of just I don't know what people did, but, you know, wrote books, uh, made music, painted art, all kinds of stuff. People yeah. got in touch with themselves. That's right. <laughs> uh, it, it was almost a, like a blessing and a curse at the same time. You know, people lost jobs. It was real. You know what I mean? But at the same time, people slowed down. They, they realized what was important. That's you know right. what I mean? Because we live, we live a bustling lifestyle in the West, out here mm -hmm. in the Western world, you know? Yep. Working nine to five, you know, uh, never sleeping. We got a city called <laughs> the city that never sleeps for That's crying right. out loud. You know what I mean? So uh, COVID was kind of like a, hey, y'all slow down. Look at what's important. You know, your family, right. you, you know, God, you got the church. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people did that. Obviously, a lot of people have not, and they're still going through that. So, mm -hmm. you know, talk about your book more. What What is the main argument that you're trying to get across? Like you're trying to tell people, um, do, do you like talk about God from like, um, like, do you introduce the doctrine of God and be like, here's a couple of ideas. Here's the definition of how, how did, how does the Bible or maybe like a confession define defines God. And then you build from that and say, we, you know, it's nice to know these facts, but at the same time, how can we put these facts into action? Right. How does that apply to me? Right. Uh, maybe you could just break that down on uh, the God part in your book. Yeah. So the subtitle of my book is Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by God's Grand Story. And initially, I, I actually wanted to um, my subtitle to be Sex, Desire, and Relationships Shaped by Biblical and Systematic Theology. But my editor shot me down. I don't know why. They said, um, you know, you want people to buy the book. And I, and I told them I would have bought the book. <laughs> they said, well, you don't count. And, um, I, and, the, and so that was kind of the framework. Um, I wanted to show how there's been a lot of books looking at the different biblical texts, et cetera. Very good. But I think very few books that have actually taken, um, an approach using systematic theology and biblical theology, which aren't, which most people aren't familiar with the difference, but um, those of us in seminary and Bible college, we, we know that there's a distinction between the two um, and how that, that is a great way to understand God's yes, not just God's no, but God's yes to when it comes to sexuality. Um, and, but anyway, so my editors had me change it. And so they use God's grand story, which is God's redemptive work in his people for, uh, throughout all of scripture, through the pages of the Bible, Genesis, um, we, we have creation, fall, redemption, and then restoration. And that framework helps us to better understand, I believe, 
the reality of sexuality. So I'm I, throughout, you know, with I'm going kind of discussing different topics and looking at either systematic theology or biblical theology and showing mm -hmm. how that can better inform us before we get into practical theology. And here's the error that often happens, uh, Jesse, is that sometimes want to jump to the practical and understandably, I mean, we want to love, we want to show compassion. We want to reach out. That's really good. But when we try to do right without thinking right, we could be doing wrong. A lot of times I hear people say, Oh, you know, they do, they do such and such, or they kind of use this label or whatever for the sake of missiology. And the problem is our missiology should always be informed by our theology, not the other way around. And what you're, what you're happening, and especially kind of what was going on in the PCA and stuff, is that all of this, you know, this, this desire to be missiological, and therefore I use these labels, etc. They're putting their missiology before their theology. So their missiology is informing their theology. Huge mistake. It always needs to be the other way around. I mean, how can we share people if we don't have a correct gospel, because if you don't have a correct mm -hmm. gospel, you're not even doing missiology at all. Um, so that's, that's why that was my desire um, in doing this. So throughout the book, I've, I've kind of talked about different concepts. So I, I look at identity and the importance of that. And then um, I introduce the concept of, and then I do a little bit of uh, systematic theology. So we look at the image of God. Uh, we look at the doctrine of sin and how that informs our understanding of sexuality. Then I introduce this concept of holy sexuality, um, chastity and singleness, faithfulness in marriage. Uh, we look a little bit of um, theological reflection on the difference between temptation, the difference between desire, and then um, breaking down, you know, chastity and singleness, faithfulness in marriage. Uh, I have a couple chapters on marriage and a couple chapters on a biblical theology of singleness, and they get into some practical things after that, after we have that right, right. Have this nice foundation, theological foundation. Yeah, the, the practical, the application is uh, sometimes could be very juicy and catchy. It's <laughs> what right. people want to get. You know what I mean? It's, it's like it's like the cake. You know what I mean? You, you just want to get to the cake and like skip the, you know, the three course meal and just get straight to the dessert, man. That's right. And, and, you know, and theology, that, that was a very important thing that you said, that our theology needs to inform you know the the next subject uh whether it be missions or um, ecclesiology right. um or, or even um you know um eschatology um, yeah you know because when, when i came into the faith um it was eschatology first and mm. then theology later hmm. <laughs> and it was like the gospel i heard uh was come to jesus because jesus is going to come back and you mm. don't want to miss him when he comes back. And that was the gospel. And I was like, well, that makes sense. I don't want to miss Jesus when he comes back. And that, but that was like eschatology. And that was not, not, not like the full gospel. You know what I mean? Right. And it was just like, man. And then it was like, it's so true. You need your theology. You need to be informed um, in order to, you know, change your mind um, about repentance, your worldview and stuff like that. It reminds me of what Paul says, I believe, to the Romans in Romans chapter 12, where he be, where I think he talks about them. He's like, I'm telling you these things because I, I don't want you to be ignorant. Mm -hmm. Right. And he, and he goes into the spiritual gifts. He's like, I'm telling you guys, so you won't be misinformed. <laughs> so you won't be ignorant right. on this thing. 
Um, so yeah, Christianity is not an ignorant religion. It, it's it's an informed religion. It, it involves in the intellect. There yep. is theology. I know a lot of people don't like that word because it all you know what I mean. Oh, I don't like theology. I like the Bible, but but the Bible is full of theology. Um, right. So you break down identity. You introduce identity, and you relate to the importance of our identity um, with with God and our new creation of who we really are, right? So um, what is the concept of identity today? Um, you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, I, I'm this or I'm that. And then what is the biblical concept of identity versus the world's current notion of identity? Because identity is a huge issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and specifically, even when it, when we think about it as it relates to sexuality, you know, we hear people use and, and, and combine these two phrases, sexual identity. Now we even have gender identity, which right there should actually communicate. That's an oxymoron. The two should not be put together. Our sexuality should not be who you are. Our gender, meaning our self-perception of ourselves, gender used to mean the same thing as sex and gender, male and female, no longer. Gender has now become this psychological, subjective self-perception of who I am. That should not be who we are. That should be our experience, what we think about ourselves. Our sexuality is not who I am. It should be the feelings that I have or the behavior, the relationship that I have, but it shouldn't be who I am. And yet that is completely how people think about this. And it has crept and seeped into the church, unfortunately, even Bible believing uh, or historically Bible believing churches are becoming, are just accommodating to the world because they believe it's much more compassionate to think in this way. But identity, um, you know, I mean, with a whole even kind of discussion within the PCA, you know, we're talking about reform circles, you know, this wouldn't be in the, you know, oh, you know, the PCUSA. It's, it's in the, you know, reform circles as well, where, you know, we think, oh, well, there's nothing wrong. This is just, we, you know, we need to be more understanding, more loving. This is, you know, people are gay. They just need to be celibate and don't act on it. Um, this totally misunderstands uh, that word. I hear a lot of people say, oh, you guys are just quibbling over words. What's the big deal? How you identify. You say things that's attracted. Someone else says they're gay and celibate. What's the difference? Tomato, tomato. How we identify impacts how we think, the choices we make, and the relationships that we build. Sometimes people say, oh, we all have, you know, identities. And I would argue those are wrong identities. All these other ones, you know, someone says, I'm an American. That's not actually who you are. You live in America. Your earthly citizenship is United States. But as we know, biblically, that's not our true citizenship. So that might be what you are now. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I serve in the Marine Corps. Um, I serve my country. I'm very, very, very grateful for my country. As a matter of fact, um, we tried communism. My parents fled communism for their life. We don't want any part of that. Uh, I'm very grateful. Where else in the world can you go from one generation where my dad entered this country with $50 in his pocket and now very successful uh, at the end of his life and had a lot, you know, so there's absolutely, I don't know of any other country where you could actually do that in one generation. 
very grateful for America, but that's not who I am. Absolutely, that is not who I am. Or people say, well, people say that's their job. I'm a, um, I'm a lawyer. And I would still argue that's not who you are. That's what you do. That's your profession. Or a person says, I'm a mom. And I would say, well, yes, but that still isn't the core of who we are. I'm Chinese. That's an objective reality. I can't change that. Um, I'm going to be even Chinese in eternity. Um, I'm a male. That's objective. But, you know, Jesse, I don't identify as a Chinese Christian. I am Chinese, but I don't identify. I don't choose to identify by that because I don't want there to be any permanent modifier before my main identity in Jesus, period. Furthermore, so as we discussed, this is why it's so important to begin with biblical and systematic theology to understand you know, this whole concept of orientation, I have a whole chapter on orientation in my book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, where I'm actually critiquing um, how the church is just taking it on. And they think, well, this is the only way to understand sexuality, sexual orientation. There's a couple problems. Number one, sexual orientation has been conflated with personhood, which I've kind of discussed. Second, sexual orientation is a purely secular, even Freudian framework. The Bible never gives the impression that humanity should be doled out or separated according to our sexual desires or any desire for that matter. Um, the term heterosexual, homosexual, actually, if we use them, should be used to define our experience, our feelings, our behaviors, our relationships, not people. I don't think it's right to say there's a heterosexual person or a homosexual person or a gay person or a straight person or a bi person or an asexual person. That's not correct. We might have opposite such attractions. We might have heterosexual feelings or a heterosexual relationship. Those words correctly define people. Even the term gay, straight, bi. Think about the word that now we put before that. We put the verb being gay, being straight, being lesbian. It's not feeling gay, not doing gay, which would be much more accurate, but we've put the verb being, which has become, it's, it's communicating essence. It's communicating personhood, but no other feeling have we made it who we are. When someone says, I am happy, no one understands that to be, that's who you are. That could mean that's how you feel now. Fantastic. Great. But that's not who you are. But when it comes to gay, it has completely been misunderstood to be who you are. So if sexuality is not who you are, then what is it? Sexuality isn't who we are, but it should be how we are. That's actually the correct understanding of sexuality, not who we are, but how we are. And when we talk about sexuality with those people who don't agree or have made sexuality our identity. For example, 20 years ago, Jesse, if you were to talk to me and, you know, you were say, well, same-sex relationships are sinful or, you know, homosexuality is sin, I wouldn't hear you say, oh, what you're saying is my desires are sinful or my relationship or my behaviors are sinful. Got it. I would hear you say my whole person from head to toe is reprehensible to God. See, an unbeliever, a person who identifies as gay, and even the whole PCA, those who identify as gay, 
they even realized that can miscommunicate the wrong thing. So they put another modifier before it, a gay celibate Christian. They cannot hate their sin without hating themselves. This is the freedom of Christ in Christ that we have that separates our sin and from ourselves. It's the whole tension that we get in Romans 7 that Paul talks about. I hate, you know, I do what I don't want to do. And that's that tension that we have. We're, we shouldn't conflate the two. But now as a Christian, I can hate my sin without hating myself. Man, there's a lot of things in there. Uh, it's a lot of stuff you just said to unpack. Um, you know, obviously we don't have the time, but like, you're right. You know, it reminds me on the first, one of the things you said is about our our identity as being, this is who we are. Um, and it was like, it, it reminded me for some reason of this one movie called The 300. Mm. And there was this one part where, I don't know, this other Greek people, um, soldiers, they came down. They were from like another town from Greece. Yeah. And, you know, and here, here are the Spartans. And he was just like, what is your profession? And he's like, we're uh, cake makers, we're pottery <laughs> right. makers. Carpenter, right, right. Carpenter and all these things, you know what I mean? And then he was like, Spartans, who are we? He was like, because right. it was like, this is who we are. We're, right. we're Spartans and we just, right. all we know right. is the sword. All we know is how to plunge that sword and move forward, right? right. And it That's was right. like, a, like, a, like it, it was a movie, right? But the something... Um, truthful was said in that that you can relate to a little bit to Christians in the sense of who we are is that we are owned by Christ our master that's right. that's and right. that we are every day being made into his image and that's what Paul talks about the, the dichotomy of the old, old creation and the new creation he's like put off the old man and put on the new man the new that's self right. and and, um, you know, and, and this shapes, it should shape your worldview. And how do we change that? Obviously, it's through the scriptures. Be, being renewed in the mind comes from by reading the scriptures and the Holy Spirit does that. And yeah. I guess it comes yeah. down to maybe not understanding, like you said, that the, the theology, for example, of uh, sanctification. Mm -hmm. Like if you mm -hmm. understand sanctification as being, you know, well, you know, um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it comes down to the grounds of sanctification. So, for example, if a Christian is saying, um, you know, a pastor is saying, I, I feel gay, but I'm a celibate. You know what I mean? I just don't act on it. Well, it's like, well, how much of that is playing into your view on sanctification? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and even my view on sanctification is different from that. Like, I used to right. smoke weed. Right. I used to do all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, and by God's grace, and not everybody does has this, but he cut off a lot of things like cold turkey for some reason. Amen. And Amen. I live in Colorado where you could buy weed anywhere, you know, Manitou Springs, for example. <laughs> right. um, but it's like yeah. back in the day, that would have been a dream of mine. I'm mm -hmm. here in a state yeah. where half the, half the population smokes weed. And it's like, I don't desire it. I don't even care for it. Yeah. I, I voted yeah. against it because I was like, I know it's not it's Christian. Love. I know God. Yeah. I know it's not God honoring. Right. And I need That's to right. put to death that old me. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. So um, talk to talk, talk about a little bit about the theology of sanctification when it comes to, for example, the view on being a celibate Christian who feels um gay or yeah you know, and and you know that's it's one thing that we I guess have in common, Jesse. You know, my thing was not weed, but I was 
on the other side of the spectrum with, uh, with the psychedelics and the speedy drugs, you know, with ecstasy and mushrooms and all the party drugs, special K and um, a lot of ice. But um, that was my world and, and God did deliver me. I don't have any desire for that. that. That does not mean though that I know that I could be very susceptible to it. So I have to be very vigilant against that, but that's not a struggle now. I have a lot of other struggles, not just fighting and resisting and mortifying uh, same-sex temptations. That's one of many that I, that I struggle with. But, but here's, um, and, and here's going to be a little confession here. Uh, you know, in the 20 years at, at post-conversion, I used to think as, you know, what you, what you said, Jesse, that people were like, okay, you know, um, same-sex attractions, it's, um, it's only, just don't act on it. That's, you know, this is, you know, like you said, those people that say, well, I'm gay, I just don't act on it. Uh, I think a lot of Christians believe that, not just on sexuality, other sins, you know, as long as they don't act on it, I believe that until I read the Bible, <laughs> until I read in Matthew chapter five, where Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if a man looks lustfully at a woman, as long as he doesn't act on it, he's fine. Is that, is that what that verse says? <laughs> of course not. Absolutely not. It says, if a man looks lustfully at a woman, he's already committed adultery. So this whole notion that, oh, as long as you don't act on it, you're fine, does not align with Scripture. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't want, you know, people to just believe something that I said. I want people to listen, read, and then go back to the Word of God and compare that to the Word of God. Because I, I submit myself fully to the Word of God. Anything that I say, don't believe it simply because I said it, but go back to the word of God. And if anything that I say does not align with the word of God, don't believe it. I submit myself fully to the word of God. This is our, this is our only authority here on this earth. That's, that's tangible that we can hold in our hands. It's not gray. It's not confusing. It's black and white. My book, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, right there on the shelf, black and white. There's a reason why I did that, because we're living in a world of infinite shades of gray, not just 50 and even biblical writers and, and authors and Christian leaders and pastors are like, oh, we're just, everything's gray. No. As we learned in Bible college, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the, in the pews. And I, and I feel like our churches today are just walking around in the fog and they're stumbling around. They don't know where they're going. And we just need clarity. And we have that in the word of God. So this myth that as long as you don't act on it, you're fine, is refuted clearly through all of Scripture, but specifically in Jesus' own words. If a man looks lustfully after women, he's already committed adultery. So with that being said, it's not just the actions, it's also the desires. So there's been this raging debate. Um, are same-sex attractions sinful or not? And, and I actually kind of flip-flop on this. Um, I used to think, oh, no, it's not sin because I wrongly, I, I only limited attraction to mean temptation. And then someone challenged me like, well, attraction could also mean desire. And I realized, man, this is the problem with all this debate. They're not defining their terms. I mean, that's 101 with debate, define your terms. So I, when I wrote Holy Sexuality in the Gospel, I decided I'm not going to, when we're talking about or not, whether it's moral or not, 
uh, same-sex attractions, let's not even use the word attraction. Instead, use the word biblical phrase. I always want to lean into uh, biblical terminology as opposed to secular terminology. Attraction is not found in the Bible. Desire and temptation are found in the Bible. So I then talked about same-sex attraction, uh, same-sex temptations and same-sex desires. Well, temptations are not sin in of, a, of itself. They can quickly lead to sin. Um, and it could be either internal temptations, external temptations, internal temptations that are those that stem from our kind of come from our, our, our sin nature. External ones are those that come from the enemy, you know, throwing his darts and then tempting us as, as Jesus was tempted by, by the enemy. Those, those are external temptations. Temptations in and of itself is not actual sin, but it can quickly lead to sin. So it's not good nor is it even sanctifiable there's this whole misperception that you know we can sanctify these things totally not biblical these are things that need to be mortified then let's talk about desires there's this misunderstanding that somehow desires turn into lust don't let your desires turn into lust and then you're fine but once it turns into lust that's bad People don't realize that the Greek word for desire, epithumia, is the same Greek word that we translate as lust. So it depends on context. It depends on whether this desire is wrongly ordered, then it automatically is sin. So any same-sex sexual or romantic desire is actually already sin that we need to resist. Now, being tempted is not sin. Giving in to temptation is when it turns into desire. So that's where it's really important for us to kind of differentiate. And when people kind of want to kind of say, oh, well, just as long as the action isn't, but the desires are okay as long as I don't act on it. And so this whole orientation thing, it's not sin, they will say. They don't understand the concept of the doctrine of sin, homardiology. You know, getting back to theology, systematic theology, homardiology, the doctrine of sin, understands that the doctrine of sin is the actual behavior or sinful behavior is just a small portion of the whole doctrine of sin, where it talks about the fall. It talks about um, uh, you know our sin nature that Paul calls um, flesh or sarks that we've translated into sin nature. And um, so understanding that is much more important because then we realize that though this, uh, for example, the concept of orientation, I, I, I critique it because I think a better concept of a same-sex sexual orientation is actually our sin nature. Because every same-sex desire, whether sexual or romantic, is something that is sin. Every temptation is rooted in my sin nature that I need to resist so who am I then to put my identity and identify by my sin struggle or my sinful orient orientation or my sin nature? You know, I mean, Jesse, if you were to come to me now and say, I'm a pot smoking Christian, I would with as much compassion and love pull you aside and say, I love you, but repent. If someone would come to me and say, I'm a porn-watching Christian, or I'm a porn-addict you know, addict Christian, or I'm a, a lying Christian, or I'm a, you know, a, 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 an adulterous, struggling Christian, with all the love and compassion, not pointing the finger, but saying, brother, accept the grace of God, the, the, the fruit of salvation, which is repentance. And that's what I'm extending to those who identify as gay Christians, as 
so-called gay celibate Christians repent. This is not something that we can celebrate. This is not something that we should even identify. This is not a good way to win people to cry. Why would we use sin to win a soul? Does that seem like a good method of evangelism? It doesn't. Jesus is the one who saves. We don't have to adopt worldly secular terminology to win people to Christ because that gives the impression then that, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's me who saves. It's, it's the way that I present this that saves. Apart from the Holy Spirit removing the blinders from a person's eyes, they cannot see the beauty of the gospel. Amen. You know, and we live in such a, you know, um, divided nation, you know what I mean? You know, this heated atmosphere, you know what I mean? And a lot of it stemmed from, you know, a thousand, a thousand different directions. You got the media cooking up stuff. You got personality, personalities going at it. You know what I mean? You, you, You got so many different factions involved. You got so many things going on, right? And, yes. and this is our environment, and, and and it's not healthy. It's not. It's not great. You know what I mean? It's not godly. And and you know what I mean? When you look at these things, and when you step out into the world, when you go buy groceries, when you go, you know, there there are people out there who are, you know, engaged in, in certain behaviors that is not that is not godly, right? That's not mm-hmm. honoring, whether sexual or non-sexual. And you know what I mean? There, there, there's people out there that are trying to reach them. You know what I mean? They're trying to give the gospel. They're trying to pass out tracts. They're, you know, whatever. Like, what, what is the best way to reach that that demographic of, for example, um, you know, like for example, the LGBTQ plus community, and they have their own agendas and um, affiliations and identities and all these things every day. And, and there's a group of Christians, you know, from all over the the United States is dealing with this dilemma where like, okay, how do we love them? How do we reach them um, without compromise? Um, Because, you know, I've seen a lot of documentaries and and I've seen a lot of different images. um, And and I I feel like a lot of them are not willing to listen. You know what I mean? Because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, I think a lot of Christians, I'm, I'm sure there's some Christians out there that are doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Bad motives, bad theology. I get it. But mm-hmm. I, I know there's a lot of Christians that are possibly doing it right. There's got to be if I believe Jesus is risen and ruling on the throne. And I do believe that. So I believe there's a, there's a lot of Christians that are doing it right as well. Obviously, I don't think there's enough of them, but I think there's a lot of them still out there doing it. You know what I mean? Uh, reaching this group. So, yeah. like, how do we reach them properly without compromise um, in, in the and, and maybe you could address this type of culture that fuels, you know, the, the stigma of name uh, of calling yourself, like, you know, identifying yourself as a, as for example, as a gay person. And it's like, you're not that, right. That's not your identity. Right. But you're, you're calling yourself being gay, but the media and all this culture kind of does, you know, chant for that. They, they root for that. It's kind of like they want that. So maybe, maybe, maybe you could do a, address that first and then move into the how can we reach them second yeah i think it's um instead of instead of first going to uh, i need to help convince this person that this is sin and i mean it's this is sinful behavior 
But I think the one thing that Christians miss is how the world has completely conflated, and now Christians as well, as I kind of was getting to earlier, has conflated sexuality with who we are. And so I think this begins with, um, you know, uh, not touching on behavior, but touch, touching on identity. And, and it can be with questions. See, a good evangelist and a good apologist is not someone who has all the answers, but it's someone who actually asks good questions. So can you tell me what you mean when you say I am gay? I think that's a great place to start. You could say, of course, I know what that means, but I just want to hear you articulate that. You know, you're, you know, and they're, going to, they're not going to say, this is what I do, this is what I feel. They're going to say, this is who I am. And then kind of ask, so uh, define gay. I mean, how... Um, you know, how would you describe that? And, and any, any definition of gay is always going to include the word attraction. Um, I'm attracted to the same sex. And then kind of, so just fleshing through these questions, you know, ask another question, a follow-up question. Are there any attraction that we've made it who we are? So it's helping people to dissect and realize that sexuality is actually just related to the attractions that we have or even the propensity. So it's even removing ourselves even further from identity and removing ourselves even further from the actual attractions to the propensity to have those attractions or the predisposition to have those attractions. And that is what sexuality has become. And then kind of ask, is there any other attraction or desire? Or even, you know, if you say that this is, you know, about my relationship that I have with my boyfriend or girlfriend, um, is there any relationship that we've made it who we are? Um, that hopefully will help people kind of reconsider that, man, maybe this isn't, this shouldn't be correctly understood as who I am. It could be understood as what I feel or what I do. So it's more of an existential reality as opposed to an ontological reality. Um, and then, you know, how do we share Christ with those um, in, you know, you know, in the in the gay community? I, I think we we want to uh, first realize, like, there isn't one uh, pat like formula. It's essentially no different than um, I would be reaching out to my neighbor who doesn't know Christ. So there's going to be a huge reliance on the Holy Spirit to guide us because in one moment, you might need to say this. Another moment, you might need to say that or don't say anything at all. Um, I, I like to for us to model the way that we might share the gospel with those who might, may identify as lesbian or gay or bisexual or transgender, et cetera, as maybe how we would share the gospel with our neighbor or our friend who is Muslim. And I know like, like there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of, uh, maybe distinctions between, uh, you know, there's, it, it, there's a lot of differences between the, the gay community and the Muslim community, but there's a lot of similarities. Or there's one similarity in that both communities view or believe that we don't like them, that we almost hate them, that we're their enemy. So I'm not going to go right up to a Muslim and, you know, one of the first questions I ask, you know, you know, Muhammad is a false idol. <laughs> I mean, a false prophet. Don't do that. It's going to be very creative 
And that's because of this, all these misperceptions that they have about, um, about Christians and the gospel and Christianity, that there's some work on their soil, their rocky soil or their weedy soil that we need to do work on before the soil is ready to receive the seed of the gospel. So I would say there's a lot of this pre-evangelism that needs to happen with building relationships, show them that we're real people, that we care for them, uh, listening to them. L listening doesn't mean that you're agreeing or condoning. Um, but I think those are just basic principles that we would apply to any person that does not know Christ because that needs we need to recognize as the main problem. Their main problem is not their sexuality. That's not their main problem. It is a problem, not their main problem. Gender, that's not their main issue. The main issue is their need to believe in the gospel and follow Jesus. So would you would you come back to them and maybe have like a long-term relationship with them, invite them to your home, you know, for dinner? Uh, maybe, you know, like you said, show them that you are a real person. Um, you know, buying them groceries, perhaps. Um, so like acts of mercy and kindness and mm -hmm. outreach. Uh, would that be like a, a decent way to to start? Yes. Yeah, completely. You know, I think okay. it's um, a lot of times people are a little hesitant, you know, to like even have their gay neighbor over for dinner. And, you know, they're like, would I be condoning their sin? And that's a really good question. But I think. Um, I, I tell people and remind them that we usually have sinners over for dinner. <laughs> so there's nothing new. I mean, wasn't Jesus the one that was accused of being a friend of sinners that he ate with sinners? And yeah. uh, so, you know, if Jesus was accused of that, we will probably be accused of that as well. We're not sinning with them. There's a difference. We're not going out and smoking pot with them or we're not going out to the clubs and doing drugs with them. That would be different if we have them in our home and we share, you know, we're, we're, hopefully showing them a, a house that's saturated with the gospel that can open up those doors to share the gospel. So that's, that's where I would kind of start with. Hmm, that's a great idea. That sounds like uh, I know uh, maybe a lot of single moms out there, maybe a lot of homeschool moms are listening or will listen. And maybe they're trying to figure this out. Like how can I reach my neighbors? Maybe I'm cooking, you know, doing what you do good in the kitchen would be a great way to start. Share a casserole um, with your neighbor. <laughs> hot dish like they say in montana or whatever <laughs> or minnesota or whatever um so you know going back to to you um you were you know engaged in a certain lifestyle right mm -hmm. and, and at some point the gospel had to come to you and at some point you have to like you know struggle with uh you know uh, jesus and be like man should i surrender <laughs> should, i don't want to surrender <laughs> you know what i mean or like at there, there was tension. And if you if you're listening, if you really do have the gospel in your heart, in your heart, you know, if you're honest with yourself, there was a struggle, right? There was a struggle. Like, do I just surrender? Because I don't want to surrender, man. But Jesus calls. Jesus demands all. <laughs> he That's demands right. all your life. It's pretty easy, right? He doesn't. He doesn't demand nothing. He just demands all of it. <laughs> that's right. All of our lives, everything, and right. and that's why the rich, the rich young ruler walked walked away, and he was like all sad. <laughs> he was depressed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I don't want to give up my stocks. I have the stocks him in the stock market. <laughs> that's right. Uh, like gold. So, <laughs> so so talk about a little bit about your journey, um, and how this kind of goes back to you. How how the gospel impacted you 
maybe you, you could point out some of the psychological struggles. Uh, maybe you could point out some of the emotional struggles, maybe the family struggles, something that that was causing you a hindrance for not fully surrender. And then something happened and then boom, you surrendered. Well, I mean, uh, my journey was was uh, pretty unique in that it was totally God. You know, I mean, it's you know to think that um, I, I, I've w- when people uh, you know think that oh, you know, I uh, you know I participated with God to to save myself. That was absolutely not my story. There was no participation on my end. It was so uh, so God. I was not sinking, and He found me. He saved me in prison. Um, he had to pull me out of the gay community, radically put me in prison, um, and so that was. Uh, that's just how how He did that. And and through my kind of teenage years of my struggle, it was I had no one kind of influencing me or giving me any other impression other than this is who you are you need to you need to embrace it don't suppress it you know you need to celebrate it that completely was but um and i think and there there was i think there's even a question here about you know a young teenager you know you know how how do you navigate that with a young teenager that says you know they're gay or bi um and they don't want anything to do with god because that was me i mean i didn't want anything to do i mean i don't even think i was talking you know i didn't have christian parents so that at that time but um, to me, if, if this was, if I was a parent, I'm single, I'm not married, I'm, I'm open to marriage. Um, but if, if this was my child, I always want to make sure, don't make the secondary thing the primary thing. And I know this is really, this is difficult because as we have wayward children, their kind of rebellious behavior, whatever it is. I mean, whether it was you, uh, Jesse, and you're, you know, you know, living on the streets and smoking pot or whether it was me, I was a good kid in high school. It was until after in my twenties that I was just, I went crazy. Um, while, while I was in dental school, I tried to live this double life of being a graduate student by day and a promiscuous drug dealer by night. Um, our kids rebellious behavior, waywardness, seems like the forefront thing that that's all we can see, but that's not the primary issue. If Jesse, if you stop smoking pot and if you didn't know Jesus, you're still lost. If I, in my twenties started dating girls and I got married to a woman, if I didn't know Jesus, I'm still lost if I stopped partying and got a nice job and whatever, had a nice, successful, all-American life, if I didn't know Jesus, I'm still lost. So we, parents, make sure that we make the main thing the main thing. Follow Jesus. Because when we make the other, then that's going to confuse our kids. You know, uh, you know, don't be gay or don't, you know, identify this way. And I mean... Yes, I, I, that's that is what we're saying, but that's not those those are secondary things. Don't make that the primary thing. You need to, you know, um, start start hanging around the right friends or whatever. Those are secondary. I mean, how can anyone do the right thing if they don't have Jesus running through their? If the blood of Jesus isn't running through their own veins, if they haven't crucified themselves and is living in them, how are they going to be able to obey their parents? How are they going to be able to not smoke pot? How are they going to 
live a sanctified life if the Holy Spirit isn't abiding in them. So what I would say is, son, yes, you know, this whole thing you're identifying is by the main issue. The main issue, the biggest thing that I want you to do, son, is to follow Jesus. And that means deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Actually, nothing else really, everything else pales in comparison. That's the most important thing. And son, you're not following Jesus right now. I can't force you. I'm going to as long as you live in this house, um, you know, you are, there's going to be, you know, I'm have to pay for anything. You don't have to pay for food. There's going to be boundaries in this house. We're going to be doing devotions every day. You're, we're going to be, you know, we're going to, you have to eat dinner with us every day um, or even breakfast, lunch or whatever. If they're homeschooled or whatever it is, praise your Lord for homeschooling. Um, uh, you need to be home a certain time. You are going to go to church. You're going to go to youth group. Um, because love is unconditional. Blessings are not. That's so important. That's so biblical. Love is unconditional. And I love you. Blessings are not unconditional. The blessings are all God's blessings are conditional. In the, in the Old Testament, there were blessings and curses. You did, you did this, you got blessed. You didn't, you got cursed. And um, so that's just the way it is. Our house is always open for you, but there's expectations for everyone. There's going to be chores and, and this and that. And we're going to be very intentional about our faith, that people can walk into our house, not even see that we go to church on Sunday, but they're going to know that we're followers of Christ. And um, so that's going to be our hope, not making their sexuality the main problem, but making following Christ the main issue. And, and they might not want to talk about God, but we can tell them your sexuality is secondary. And the main thing that I hope for you and for all my children is that you would follow Jesus. You could start dating a girl, my son. If you don't know Jesus, you're still lost. Um, I'm going to still love you as God loves you. Romans 5, while we were still powerless, while we were still sinners, and while we were enemies. Um, so that would be the primary thing that I need to really hammer that home over and over. But then I would also encourage them, you know, why identify by what we feel? Why identify by our attractions? At this point, as a high school student, um, there shouldn't, we shouldn't be having any sexual desires for anyone because you're not married yet. Um, if, as a matter of fact, um, I don't know, call me a prude, uh, but I, I just don't think high school students should date because I knew what I was like in high school. And I was, I don't know, I was, I was lost. I didn't know anything. And I just think that, you know, why would you put two people who are completely clueless um, and, and put them together to date? That, that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, and they're just going to get feelings hurt. Um, be friends. Uh, but I, I want you, our friends should reflect, um, you know, show me a person's friends and I will show you that person's character um, or that person's personality and what's most important to that person. You can see that by their friends. So I, I think it's uh, what, that's what we want more than anything else. It's not behavior, manage, man, uh, behavior management, but the key thing is following Christ. Following Christ is um, hard. 
because he he has like a lot of hard sayings you know what i mean and people were like what do you what do you mean eat your flesh and drink your blood where you know we're out of here where's the free bread and 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 tortas you know what i mean and jesus is like well i'm not giving out free meals you only want free meals hit the road because uh, i want you to follow me right it's that one verse that says uh, seek first the kingdom of god and all these other things would be added unto you. So it's like, it's not just seeking this spiritual, mystical little thing. It's like seeking God. And where is the best place to seek God? And that is through his word. Right? Amen. I, I, I heard one of these pastors say, if you want to hear God speak out loud, just read the Bible out loud and you'll hear him speak out loud. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And if you want to be discipled, I, I encourage you to be discipled. Go to a, a faithful person. Uh, church that preaches the word faithfully and that administers the sacraments faithfully and all these things and, and, and tell that pastor straight up and look him in the eye and tell him, look, I'm, I came from this background. I'm struggling with this A, B and C. You know what I mean? And I need to be discipled. I need to be trained. Um, I need I need wisdom and guidance. You know what I mean? And that's part of seeking God. That's part of Amen. seeking God's kingdom. It's not just this quasi you know, I'm, I'm going to go travel around the world carefree. I'm going to hitchhike <laughs> around the world and find myself. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't do the Forrest Gump thing. Go, <laughs> don't, 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 don't just go on a marathon aimlessly trying to find yourself. Mm -hmm. Run to the church and be like, Pastor, Elder, Deacon, I, I need help with my son. I need help with my, my wife. I need help with my, myself. I need to be disciple because that's part of chasing the kingdom. Reading right. the Bible, prayer. Binge watching instead of binge instead of binge watching Stranger Things tonight. How about you binge watch like a, like a on sermon audio um the you know the the sermons uh, the sermon series on 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 the Book of Romans mm -hmm. by Martin Lloyd Jones. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So so instead of maybe if you don't, maybe if you don't like that, maybe go on Audible, get an account, and just download this book and listen to it. <laughs> you know what Amen. I mean? Um, Redeem the time, redeem the time. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And that, that includes your, your, your meditations. You know what I mean? Um, That's right. think, think about the actual, the thing that helps me a lot is um, the attributes of God. You know what I mean? Cause I'm thinking about the Lord, but who is the Lord? Oh, he is, he is sovereign. He is great. He is immense. He, he's eternal eternality. Like, you know, try to think about that for a long time. You know what I mean? Um, his creation, his decree, his, you know what I mean? So God has so much um, com communicable and incommunicable attributes. Just binge think, <laughs> if that's even a word, on the attributes of God, because that would help you to think heavenward, to think vertical Amen. and not just think about the vertical. You know, I mean, the horizontal. That's I gotta right. Pay my rent. I got to catch the bus tomorrow. Like those things will take care of itself tomorrow. But, right. you know, when you're struggling about your thought pattern. One of the ways to get back in shape in your thought pattern um, is to think about the attributes of God, you know, bench watch a sermon series, download <laughs> a really good theology book like like uh, or your book on Audible and listen to it and just feed your soul, feed your soul, keep, keep, keep on track. Those are the, some of the things I do that helps me. It may not help you. Um, it may encourage you. I don't know. Those are, those are the, some of the things that helps me um, for those listening. Amen. Um, but real quick, um, you know, um, where, where can people find you? Um, where can people stay in touch with you, um, you know, if they want to reach out or get into yeah. more about your ministry? 
Yeah, so my my website is ChristopherYuan.com. That's my ministry website. And then social media is just Christopher Yuan, Twitter, Facebook, also YouTube. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm developing my YouTube channel where I'm going to have um, different, uh, about 50. I'm going to be creating about 50 an, uh, animated videos, short four to six minute videos. That's going to be geared toward uh, young adults uh, or actually teens, helping them to refute some of the myths when it comes around sexuality and gender so uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel because by the end of the year, I'm going to have a bunch of videos that are going to be coming down the tube. And especially for uh, some of the people that are kind of commenting here, uh, a mom and some parents uh, out there, I'm very excited because, you know, the book that we were discussing right now is Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. I wrote that, that for adults whose name 2020 Book of the Year for Social Issues by Outreach Magazine. But since the two years that it's been out, I realized that we need something for teens. So actually, right now, I'm creating a video curriculum, a 12-lesson video curriculum. Uh, that's, it's going to be called Holy Sexuality Teen Curriculum. And it's not just – there's going to be different versions, one for the church, one for Christian schools. But actually, our biggest push is going to be a curriculum for families. It's going to be a home-family curriculum for parents and even grandparents – and their teenagers and preteens where they can get together in the privacy of, the, of their own home and watch uh, lesson by lesson. It's going to be 12 lessons. Each lesson lasts about 40 minutes. So it's essentially one lesson. We'll be watching a 10 minute video, having some time of discussion, which there's going to be guided questions. There's going to be a parent guide to help the parent to know like what questions to go over after they watch that video Then watch another 10 minute video have some more discussion time, and then I'm going to do a wrap-up uh, short video. So that's about 40 to 45 minutes uh, each lesson and 12 of those. And that's going to be available at holysexuality.com. So if any of you guys are watching or listening right now, uh, go to holysexuality.com and you can put in your name and your email address. And as soon as we're getting close to releasing this, which will be probably toward the end of this year or the beginning of next year, uh, you're going to get emails for that. But definitely go there now uh, to put in your name and your email address because we're super excited about this. Uh, the Holy Sexuality Teen Curriculum is going to be a video curriculum. Amen. And I'll go ahead and check that out because I'm raising children. You know what I mean? I'm trying yeah. to Amen. raise up the, the next generation of Christians, missionaries, Amen. pastors, faithful Amen. husbands and, and, and wives. Amen. So, And that's hard. That's hard. It's not easy. I wish right. I wish it was easy, but it's not. You know what I mean? And and children do come with the curriculum book. It's called the Proverbs, by the way. Now, that, <laughs> that's just a bad joke. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining Bible Theory. Thank you. It's been it's been a, a privilege, uh, Professor Chris, to talk to you, uh, you know, to to, you know, just just briefly uncover some of these things and get a proper, you know, um, view on it. So thank you for coming on and sharing that um you know we'll pray for you maybe in the future i'll have you back on talk about the curriculum or another book you write in the future i would Great. love that opportunity and, and and for those listening you you know where to find me i'm, I'm always on twitter at the chicano knox i'm building my youtube on as well so go ahead um check that out um, but until next time whatever you do do it for the glory of christ because that's the only thing that's going to last when we die is not your famous name or my famous name or your kingdom. It's the kingdom of Christ. It's the kingdom of Yeshua. It's the kingdom of Jesus, the Messiah, right? So do everything for Christ alone, for the for for the glory of God alone.
All right. And, and, and don't get it twisted. You could twist churros, but don't twist the scripture. All right. All right. Well, God bless y'all. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Bible Theory. Don't forget to share this with your homies. Support Bible Theory on Patreon. Follow me on Twitter at The Chicano Knox. Like and subscribe to Bible Theory on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. Gracias por escuchar Bible Theory. No olvides a compartir esto con tus homies. Apoya Bible Theory and Patreon. Sígame en Twitter and The Chicano Knox. Dame un like y suscríbete a Bible Theory and Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio y más.